0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Thanksgiving episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio, and I'm your host, Tammy Riley. This episode is going to require just a little bit longer introduction, and I'm going to ask you to just bear with me as I ride out the roller coaster that it's been since we recorded this. This is an episode with my dear friend, Natasha. Many of my listeners will know her, as I know many of you are following because you're part of my fitness community and many of my friends, so you all know um, what has been happening. And to those of you who might be newer to to me and just learning about our podcast, I want to give you some context from where this is coming from. I'm going to take a deep breath. My heart is pounding, and I want to be coherent. So Natasha was one of the people that I initially asked to do this podcast, and she kept deflecting. She's so funny. She was like, oh, what about this one? I really think you should ask this other person. I don't think I have anything to say. And it was maybe end of September, early October. We were chatting, and she said, you know, I've been listening. I'm really enjoying your episodes. And I've changed my mind. I want to do this with you, and so we set up our date, and we sat down. and And that's not easy for those of you who who don't know. And you'll see in in her bio, um, Natasha's originally from Australia, but at the time she's living in in Bali. Um, we talk a lot. Thank God for WhatsApp and and Facebook chats. And we've always um, because. We live so far apart. We've always relied on on this, but definitely in in the time of COVID, when we've looked to reach out to you know our people and our connections, we've definitely made more of a point to chat. So we set up our our times. It was my early morning, and it was her late night because that's how things roll when you live on opposite sides of the world. And we did our first podcast and. Since it was early morning for me, I got off and I was really busy that day with work. And I kept thinking back, and it was a really long, rambly podcast. I cried through the whole thing, not gonna lie. And right, we're no reason, but you know, those of you who know know us know that we tend to just cry when we're together. It's one of those things in a good way. And she went right to bed after the podcast. And so late later that night, I got an email from her saying, oh, my God, what the heck happened? Can we do that again? And I was like, oh, thank you. I didn't know how to tell her. So we rescheduled, we regrouped, and we put together this episode, which we were both much happier with. It it definitely reflected more of a conversation that we wanted to share with the world. So we said the first one was one that we needed to have, and this one was the one we wanted to share. Little did we know that a few weeks, that a few weeks later, Natasha would get very sick and be hospitalized, and in a crazy turn of events, pass away. And I wasn't sure what I should do with this episode, but somehow I did know in my heart that I had to do it, and I feel like it was her nudging me through, telling me that she really wanted to share this conversation, her wisdom, her reflections with others. And I reached out to her family, who I cannot imagine how hard this has all been. And they gracefully consented to letting us share this with you. Natasha had been healing for the last year. Her spinning studio, which we don't discuss in this podcast, but it had burned to the ground. She worked so hard to get to that point, and it was really devastating and traumatic, to say the least. So the past year had been one of healing for her. So I love that she had come up with so many really amazing ways of nurturing herself, of administering self-care, and of navigating this roller coaster that we're all on. She definitely was one of the most important people in my life, but I loved how most people who know her could say that same thing. She was so connected with people, she says in the podcast. It's her superpower, and it certainly is. But she made everyone feel special and really Made efforts to stay connected and in touch with everyone. She was always connecting people and events and finding ways for us to be together. And, and she and I brainstormed so many, so many times on how we could just be together again. And uh, thankfully, spinning was a big vehicle for that. She and I also worked for a program called In Trinity. And then she created her own fitness conference with some amazing people in Jamaica just to bring us all together, right? It's always been about connection. And Tasha and I would do some women's retreats together and spend a lot of time talking about self-care and healing and being kinder to ourselves. So the conversation you're going to hear today is not an unusual one for us. But it's always just so beautiful to ask specific questions and hear the really thoughtful and important answers that someone wants to share, not just with their best friend listening on the phone, but with everyone. So, what I'd ask you to do is, as you listen to this episode, see if you can do it at a time when you can really be fully present to savor the conversation as if she's having it specifically with you. Because I know that that's how she would want you to feel. And I don't cue this up to make you feel sad and to bring you down. I'm really so honored to share this with you all because she was so special and special to me. So I just ask you to just maybe listen a little more fully and take to heart some of her important messages. And if you did not know her, I want you to feel connected to Natasha like the rest of us do after hearing this conversation. So settle in, friends, and enjoy. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. It's Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving. And I am really excited to share our guest this week, in in honor of Thanksgiving and my gratitude for mm-hmm. who she is and her place that she has in my heart, um, my my girl Natasha, I call her Tosh, um, and she is coming to us via Bali, although she's from Australia, and she will give you uh, a little bio and share all that. And she and I, she's another one of my um, my group that I've collected through my my fitness world, and I love how. We go out and we, we are, we're doing something new in a, in a place, you know, you have no idea and you just keep yourself open. And I ended up finding one of the best friends that mm. I um, could ever ask for. So Tash, welcome to my podcast.
1: Hi. <laughs> Hi. Such a lovely introduction. Thank you. Well, Sounds you deserve great. it.
0: Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about you, your life? And of course, everyone here is Bali and now they're excited. So how did you end up there? And, and uh, yeah, give us a,
1: a quick little down low on everything going on. Sure. All right. So I have a note, life story in three minutes or less, and I do have a timer. So um, <laughs> short version. We uh, So Australian born, obviously, by the accent, but my parents are Italian, immigrated to Australia when they were young. Um, I've worked most of my adult life in the fitness industry so 25 years or so a little bit longer um, when I was younger I had just finished school my family and I moved to Italy for five years and that was I guess where my um need to exercise even started i put on a little bit of weight more than i had when i was a teenager started working out and then just found this kind of passion a lot of kids in australia really fit when they go to school exercise a lot sport is really common in australia but it was never something that i was very interested in so um we were in italy for about five years and when i moved back to australia i um Went into the industry, got my qualifications, and then just worked in oh my gosh, every pocket of the industry that I could kind of sink my teeth into. I started off, you know, doing step touches and grapevines (laughs) back in the mid 90s and uh, moved into personal training. Body pump was a thing that I taught for maybe 15 years, I think. Um, And then I did my spinning certification. So Back then, you know, aerobics was the real kind of fashionable thing, Step Reebok aerobics, but it was never really something that I was very good at. So the athletic side of some of the programs that I was teaching, um, like spinning because it was cycling, body pump because it was lifting weights, um, was something that I really kind of enjoyed early on. Um, I went into, oh, gosh, group exercise management, commercial fitness equipment sales, education and then right place right time ended up working for Mad Dog Athletics which is how you and I obviously met so mm-hmm. being in Australia I was chosen to be representative for uh, spinning in Australia which was back late 90s and uh, I didn't really start traveling with the education maybe until early 2000. Um, we uh, at that time I represented Australia as well as all of Southeast Asia and New Zealand. Um, so we, I was, yeah, traveling a lot for the program, which was two of my favorite things together. So, you know, that I was able to teach, it was fitness related and I was able to travel, which was something that I really loved to do from when we lived overseas. Um, and then I think I went into um, you know, I, I, we have spoken about this before that the fitness industry isn't really considered a real job. I think my mum was waiting <laughs> until I was like, okay, so when are you going to like get a real job, you know, that you're not wearing sweatpants mm-hmm. and and sneakers to work? So I did try to have a real job for about five years. When my daughter was at school, I went into event management for a little while, liked it, was good at it, but didn't really love it. And uh, then moved into vocational education, uh, which I loved. And I think, which was maybe about 12 years ago, I came out of, a, you know, a teaching to, you know, health clubs or in the fitness industry from a club level and went more into education. So, um, and just really found my my um, joy in Delivering information to ripe and eager young minds, and so working with spinning, and then when I was working for um, a vocational institute in Melbourne at the time, um, yeah, it was it was um, able to share knowledge that I had 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 learned had you know been passed on, and then was able to pass it on. So. Um, Yeah I guess then fast forward whatever 20 odd years after that um, my daughter was towards the end of her education I was getting itchy feet to move out of Australia and spent the last few years working in industry internationally um, just in lots of again different roles mentoring and leadership roles within the industry and uh, landed in Bali a few years ago so Still industry related, um, but, you know, now not just fitness. I started teaching yoga um, three or four years ago and, uh, yeah, very, very widespread. I like to, Mm. I like to diversify.
0: It's so um, interesting for people. It's a little bit different now, I think, because Fitness is such a booming industry, and it is everywhere that you look. And we we know these little small boutiques that are delivering experience and taking over. But back when we started, you know, it was a small pocket, and so it really was. It's so interesting when you say that it wasn't a real job. Mm. So many people didn't view what we did as a real job, you know. And and honestly, for a lot of us, it wasn't the only job. Like it was always real. But right, think about how many things you had to do. So, so we're very used to in yes. this in this role of fitness of doing a lot. We're doers of a lot of things because in order to make it, yes. you've got to, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like,
1: I think just- my first three or four years of working in industry, I taught at seven different health clubs. Mm. I taught between maybe 17 to 23, 24 classes a week. I did um, front desk reception hours. I did 20 hours of reception hours at four different health clubs. I even did a, a graveyard shift. I would teach three classes during the day, uh, have a break, and then I was on reception from like six till midnight. And then I'd get up the next morning and do a six to 9 a.m. shift at reception, then teach three circuit classes, then go home and have lunch. Then it was crazy. So you yeah. juggle. Yeah. That's- yeah we just always juggled and unless you had seven different things on the go then you felt like and you had to as well like because you weren't we're always contractors we never got sick pay holiday pay um it actually wasn't until I worked for TAFE that I had a full-time salary and I got sick pay and holiday pay and I thought this is amazing you mean you're gonna (laughs) pay me to go on holidays what um, yeah. And then it was yeah, education. For- so we got 10 weeks off a year and uh, and I got to teach and I got to hang out in a gym. I was like, what have I been running around the aerobics room for the last 15 years for? This is crazy. But that is how many people get their start and what a
0: lot of people have to do, um, you know, teach four classes a day, which, you know, you think if you're an enthusiast or you like to work out or you try to do it every day, you know, taking a class is exhausting Mm. and then you go about your job. But like, you know, many of us and still like I was up early this morning, taught my class. Now I'm doing my, my day job. Um, you know, I'm lucky that my, my jobs just like you have all connected into fitness. So uh, teaching isn't the only thing I rely on. Thank God, because I think about our bodies and I think, uh, we're fortunate that it's taught us a lot and our bodies are pretty resilient um, maybe we've done too much. So, so we'll have to, uh, talk about the wear and tear on our body, but I will add one more thing that yeah. Natasha didn't mention in, in like her little bio, but she's an athlete. You're an accomplished athlete. You're an iron woman. Um, it was, it was.
1: you, know, yeah, you never talented. lose that, that, a uh, title you you've competed, you've done it. It's incredible. Yeah. It was a seven year stint. Um, I did, I, yeah, started with 70.3. So half Ironman as my first race, um, cause cause, you know, you don't start with something easy. And then I think I ended up doing 11 half Ironmans and, uh, and I did two full Ironmans. And the crazy thing is I was definitely not a swimmer. I actually couldn't swim. I like, I could dog pedal, but, um, I couldn't swim a 25 meter length of a pool. So I learned how to swim. And the thought of an Ironman, you know, it's like 2.6 miles or whatever it is, I don't even know, 3.8 kilometers, I think. Um, I thought I would never do an Ironman because I could not conceive swimming that far. Like that's actually kind of a long run for some people. And uh, it is crazy what happens when you hang out with people. Like if you drink the Kool-Aid, you end up kind of becoming a little bit crazy as well. So I trained with triathletes and everyone was doing an Ironman. So I went, okay, maybe I should give it a crack. And then I did it and actually did like reasonably well, better than I thought. And so I had to do another one because I didn't believe that I did it because I went, did I, did I really just do that? And so I did it twice because I actually, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I'd done it. And even now, like when someone says you did that, it seems amazing to me when I think of someone else doing it, but when I think of myself doing it, I go, maybe, maybe I didn't do the full race. Like how did, I, how did I do that? But, you know, and it was so long ago. My last full Ironman was 2013, and then I retired as an age yeah. group. And then, <laughs> and then uh, I found yoga because my body was so broken. But the crazy thing is I went, I went into yoga as a triathlete. So I went in and I did, you know, I did 90 days straight because I couldn't start. And then I went and, yeah, and I started, I did two to three classes a day and I did 16 hours of yoga a week. Yeah. So, so you, you approach yoga, which is so funny. You know, we talk about <laughs> yoga first sort of you approached yoga, like you
0: were doing a, an iron man again yeah. Yeah. Um, with that same intensity. And, but what's nice is the, as you stuck with it, and this is for people who maybe haven't explored the yoga journey or, or can attest to this when you stick with it, you see there's so much more than that physical piece and the beating oh, up gosh. and the bending and I, and the, and the winning it, I have to get this pose. Mm. Um into all of the other sweet stuff. Which- well, the
1: irony was that I, I, you know, I was sick of triathlon and I was tired. My body was tired and I had no social life. And I was boring. I was a boring woman. And I thought, if I'm ever going to have a social life, then I think I need to stop, you know, training 25 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's It's a job. It's a job. Yeah. And I had sure. a full-time job as well. Yeah. So, so I started yoga to heal the injuries in my body, but then I approached yoga with the same intensity that I did triathlon and I ended up injuring myself. So yeah, I I kind of went the long way around trying to find softness and then eventually, you know, I I eventually found that as well. And I'm far less I definitely do not do 16 hours of yoga a week anymore. Um, but I still, I still kind of like doing three things a day. I don't know if it's the triathlete you may. So I, yeah, I like to do yoga and then I like to do cardio and then I like to do weights and that's, yeah, I try to get that in a day, but I'm out of time right me. now. So, yes. so
0: yes. yeah, yeah. So that's
1: what that's what we'll talk about. So yeah.
0: So every you know everyone's life shut down in mid March, as did the entire world. So that was one thing that was so interesting. And, and Natasha and, and our in our group, um, we have an eclectic continental group that would get together and chat. And we always do our our crew, our little tribe from all over the world. But it was such an interesting thing to have all of us be going through the same thing no matter where we were. And so even for Bali, although you've been very fortunate there to not have many cases and um, there's not as many, I'm going to say not as much illness around, you still mm. have the ramifications even more so. So so in March, I guess, let's just backtrack. Before everything shut down, what were you doing in Bali and what was your day like? Mm. Like, were you super busy? Was it
1: relaxing? Because yeah. <laughs> it's um, paradise
0: over there and many people pretty. relax, but, yeah, but you're things.
1: living there. Um, so I moved here nearly three years ago actually and uh, so what I tried a bunch of different, you know, um, roles, businesses. I Because I run education for Southeast Asia for spinning in various Southeast Asian countries, Bali was always a great base because I could um, – Uh, promote the education market the education sell it and then I could fly in to various countries for a weekend deliver it and be back in Bali for dinner time so um, I was kind of doing that for the last few years Um, tried my hand at a business had its own little um, sad story and ending but uh, I kind of got to the end of last year and I went back to Australia because I thought you know what Bali maybe Bali doesn't really want me they say Bali it's the island of the gods, and uh, they either want you or they don't, and if even if they do want you, they'll test you. It's it's a very spiritual island, Hindu belief. Um, so I kind of went, you know what, maybe she doesn't want me. Maybe I should go home. And uh, while I was home over Christmas, I was offered a job to come back to Bali, which was in a stunning Australian owned, um, beautiful five-star resort here on the island, which was very well known for running fitness and wellness retreats, and also a beautiful destination wedding hotel. Um, So the role I was uh, put into was a combination of wedding um, and event management, and also, you know, teaching fitness and yoga to hotel guests, so it was, you know, and in Bali you know, living Bali Mm. lifestyle. So it was a pretty amazing um, opportunity for me to roll into after kind of not really sure what I wanted to do, you know, when I grew up. So, um, yeah, I thought, all right, well, I'll give it a crack. I'll give it six months and see how it goes. And uh, typically my role at the resort would have I was really busy booking out weddings for the year. We had 38 weddings booked in over a six-month period. We delivered one wedding at the end of February and then corona hit, Bali went on um, complete lockdown from international tourism and the island basically evacuated. So Bali is an interesting place because although um, it is part of Indonesia, it's a Hindu island and... uh, The tourism here makes up for, I think, you know, 85% of um, the economy of the island. Very popular with Australians, international tourists. And um, so a lot of people live here. It's very cheap, affordable living. You can fly in and out of the rest of Asia. So there's a lot of expats that have moved to Bali. A lot of people work online. Um, But even the expats that live here left the fear Mm -hmm. of all knows, you know, God was put into everyone. And so the island basically, you know, um, emptied out. I was uh, in Singapore picking up my um, visa. I was on the last flight, allowed back into Bali um, on the 16th of March. And uh, our hotel has 106 rooms. I got back. I had to quarantine, home quarantine for two weeks. Um, I was fine. And then when I went back to the hotel, there were two guests in the hotel. So, and uh, so, so crazy yeah. oh my other gosh. than the 48 weddings I was due, 38 weddings I was due, um, we had 130 yoga and fitness retreats. We would have five or six retreats having it at once. And our, you know, the work was a lot initially just by email. All these people panicking, canceling. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Shuffling, reshuffling. Um, so initially it was it was pretty intense for us in an administration role, trying to keep the hotel afloat, trying to calm down people. And, you know, I'm dealing with girls, you know, planning their dream weddings, you mm-hmm. know, and not... No,
0: all those brides. To, yeah, brides, brides.
1: of course. And not to minimise, you know, people are dying in the world and come on, sister, it's just a wedding. But, you know, it's a big deal. Some of these girls have booked in two, three years in advance and to be told and they were supposed to get married in two weeks. You know, it was it was it was uh yeah, a really big um, responsibility to try to calm people down initially. And for us it, it was kind of weird because sun is still shining, surf is still sweet, it's beautiful outside, um, and it just got really quiet, really quick. Yeah. Um, and, and
0: none of us at that point knew, right? Even for you talking with a bride, you couldn't, you know, they want us to give the magic answer, whatever it is, whatever it yeah. is. Well, when can I have it? And you can't say, okay, in three months everything mm. will be fine. Let's push it. You know, that was a whole other layer
1: added to yeah. what you do. I've moved, I moved. I have moved some weddings four times because oh. these girls were getting married in April. And so we picked up all the April, May, June weddings and moved them to September, October, November. And then most of our weddings are Australian and our retreats are Australian. And then the Australian government was saying, "No travel, no travel for three months, for six months." I mean, the Australian government is saying they don't want people to travel internationally until twenty twenty two. So um, yeah, it's and it and it it's a it's a challenging position to be in because you know I work for an organisation that has we have two hundred incredible um, Balinese staff who um, live on what we would consider maybe a nice dinner out. And uh, in order for the hotel to stay afloat, um, they went on half pay, so two weeks on, two weeks off, and then, um, you know, uh, ten days on, three weeks off, and then so just to try to keep everyone employed. And um, so then it gets tough because people are emailing me saying, oh, my God, we've lost our $500 deposit. And, you know, the Australian government is paying a lot of money for unemployment benefits and, you know, some people are getting $6,000 a month in unemployment benefits in Australia. And uh, people here, you know, $25 a month will feed a family. So then it kind of got hard to be overly sympathetic with the tragedy <laughs> right. of these people um, but yeah our we we have needed to be incredibly resourceful because now seven months later um, the island is even emptier than it was in March and you know we have stayed open a lot of hotels have closed a lot of businesses have closed it's strange because the island we still move around. Everything that could be open is still open. They cha- they closed down tourist attractions, waterfalls, you know, beaches initially for maybe a month or two and then they reopened everything up. They've called it the new normal. So everything is open. Social distancing, people have to wear masks, but other than that, clubs stayed open, yoga studios stayed open, mm-hmm. restaurants, everything is open. Um, our, our biggest implication of corona is that no one can get to us. Right. So we, right. you know, we always used to say Bali was a bubble and now we're living even more in a bubble. We're just fortunate that the bubble is pretty beautiful. And so, you know, it's beautiful. a lot grateful for.
0: It's healthy right now, right? Yeah. So there isn't a lot of illness. So, but it is horrifying because it's the economy there. And it's mm. so sad, you know, as someone who loves that to go to Bali and uh, the last time Natasha and I were together was in Bali. She's been living mm. there and, you know, I, I, it was funny, I was thinking, um, as as I was getting ready to do this, that I think I've traveled to more places with you than I have my husband. Yes, um, Natasha and I meet each other How in different parts of the world. <laughs> <laughs> She's my wife. Like yeah. I call her my wife. But um, okay, so so things were pretty busy at that point. Now everything's slowing down, and so let's shift this to mm-hmm. now. You and caring for you and and doing you and um how like so normally right we know like we're fitness junkies and you've already confessed you know you're a workoutaholic but that's one mm. piece of self care but what else mm. were you doing at that point what have you found that you've needed now that's different so I'll also just say that for Natasha and I know this right because we're besties she's she's not like her whole world isn't online like we've been global as a community and what we yeah. do and like. She's talking about her education, so internet and those global connections are very important. Mm. But you don't live your whole life online. And on Bali, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, it's very in person. So, so now all this hits, and that piece doesn't change. And in fact, Mm. you've retreated even more because you don't read the news, and you don't, Mm. you know, you go even more into your hole. So, so I'm assuming that's part of your self-preservation.
1: Yeah. Wait. we initially, there was talk of the island that they would, um, so in the island they have banjars, kind of villages, and I guess it's kind of like suburbs, I guess. And uh, initially there was discussion that they were going to close down movement between the banjar, and I was living in a different area to where I was working. And so my delightful um, general manager said, why don't you move into the resort? And I went, okay. So, it. yeah, it. it. we have a yeah two bedroom five star villa that's you know usually seven hundred dollars a night. Would you like to live there? Okay, um, yeah. So we moved into the resort. I was living in a beautiful yeah villa, rent free, and trying to go. Yeah, this corona thing really sucks. Um, so yeah, we kind of the first three months there wasn't much work. All the brides had calmed down. Um, I was living in a beautiful area, six hectares, two swimming pools, a gym, beachfront, restaurants, dry cleaning. I had my dog with me like it was it was pretty amazing and um, but within that though, I had um, you know I'm definitely a creature of routine and habit and uh, if I don't have things to do, I kind of spiral, Downward very fast. Like, I need to be, I need to have purpose and not having very much to do within my job. I started creating kind of little jobs for myself at the resort. I, you know, redid the shop. We have a beautiful boutique. I went in there and went, Can I change the shop window? So I redid the entire shop and color coded everything. I actually, we painted my boss's office. I, and Tammy knows because she knows how I am. I, um, I I reorganized my boss's desk and his drawers.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm so like, I can just imagine every second of this.
1: And he came into work and he opened his drawer. He said, what the hell's happened to my drawer? It looks like a display case because he had protein bars and I put them all. So all the labels were at the front. I was desperate. I was really desperate to find something to do.
0: I have never seen anyone fold or package something like Natasha. Like it's pristine. It is incredible how she opens her suitcase and everything is aligned and packed. It's an aspiration of mine to be a quarter of as organized as yeah. she is with everything. So just so, to put it in
1: perspective. So that was month 1 in Corona. I re I pulled all the things out of my drawers and refolded everything and put them back in and then redid the kitchen and so I did all and then I ran out of things to do. But um I personally and professionally had gone through a pretty traumatic experience last year and I had kind of was still in my own mental recovery I guess I was I had developed some self-care routines for my own mental health and safety and um The first few weeks of when we locked down, I kind of let that go and laziness crept in. And there was something actually um, Catherine was talking about in her podcast about people that are like high-paced and people that are lower and that you can, you know, move down into these super low cycles and end up in a bit of a slump. And I'm I'm either direction, you know, like I can be super fast-paced and then... When my motor kind of runs out and slows down, when I stop, I really stop. And that kind of scares me a little bit because I can get a little bit too much in my head. So, And it's interesting because this practice that I developed was because my daughter sent me a timetable for her week. So Melbourne was in severe lockdown, like stage four lockdown. And she she lives with her dad. Her dad works full time. So she was home on her own and uh, she sent me a timetable of her week, and it was 7 a.m. get up, 8 a.m. workout, 9 a.m. brush teeth, 10 a.m. eat breakfast, like literally every hour of her day was, you know, 9 p.m. watch Netflix, 6 p.m., and so I looked at it, I went, well, that's kind of nothing like her mother, but, you know, that's, that's actually a really great idea. I didn't go to that extent, but I started with just a, you know, we're planners, right? We plan mm-hmm. where the queen of planning the next holiday, yeah. the next trip. And um, that's by we
0: me. she and I,
1: yeah, we, <laughs> and we couldn't do that. You know, all our plans that we had for the summer and Miami and all the events that we were going to see each other in. And so it kind of freaked me out a little bit that, um, I couldn't plan anything. And so me, typically, I'm a Sunday night, I plan out my week, all my tasks, my agenda, the things that I want to achieve, the people I need to talk to, and I would do it on a Sunday. And I found that I couldn't plan that far in advance because every day was really different. Like one day, this is closing down. The next day, no, that is open. Okay, this day we're going to do this. And so I decided that I would just do a day plan. So in the morning, I would get up. I would listen to a sermon so you know and pray but I had these five things that I would first I would I would need to pray I would need to move my body however that was yoga fitness or you know go for a run the third one was that I needed to do something productive because there were some days that I wasn't doing anything productive and uh, that kind of freaked me out I needed to make sure that I was doing something of value you know whether it was for my job or for my own personal you know, businesses. I needed to connect with someone because I can be quite reclusive, so I needed to make sure that I either messaged someone, had a conversation with someone or reached out to someone. And my fifth one was an act of kindness, that I needed to just do something nice to someone, to for someone or just sit down and have a real conversation with someone. Often my acts of kindness, I will admit, were around dogs <laughs> I do love dogs and in Bali there are lots of street dogs beach dogs so I will admit my acts of kindness usually revolve around feeding stray dogs or bringing dogs home I am trying to be kinder to people so that is something that I'm trying to do (laughs) rather than just animals so um yeah. And so each day I would plan those five things. And even if I didn't do them, at least it gave me purpose and I, I needed purpose just for that day. And uh, I still do it. Seven months later, I, I listen to my sermon in the morning. I write out my prayers. I have a little gratitude exercise. And then I write out my five tasks and I drink my morning coffee and I attack my day. And that's it. That's all I got. I got 24 hours. Tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen and I can only plan it that morning and uh yeah it's been my medicine. I love that.
0: yeah that's it's so huge because like you're saying I, I'm a planner like you you know we like to look ahead we like to have the next thing to look forward to many people do that and then again like you open up your your book and we're preparing for the week and as professionals whether you know you have a few jobs you have a family whatever it is we need to look ahead and so this idea of not being able to do more than a day and and honestly you're right for many of mm-hmm. us every day was so different that we we couldn't um but I love these five intentional things and and uh, I think that's such a good practice to share and you know to be able to take them and work them into your own life maybe it's you know a little more specific for each person but I think you've you've covered all the bases mm-hmm. right you have a little little spirituality, you have the physical piece of, of self-care, um, being productive. And that could mean so many things from, mm-hmm. you know, a work, a work task mm-hmm. to a cleaning the draw task, mm-hmm. uh, con- connecting with someone. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. I do know that you do have a tendency to withdraw. So I'm glad. That- <laughs> I
1: can. By the way, I with
0: my animals. Yeah, and you do have your love. But it is interesting because when I first asked Natasha about being on the podcast, she was like, mm, She kept deferring. Like, what about this person? And what about that person? And I said, Okay, she's not sure she wants to do this. And that's cool. And I'm just gonna, you know, let it settle. And and then it was a few weeks later. I think you kind of came out of, you know, we we we've been doing this, all of us, these roller coasters, these funks, and uh you were like
1: I do want to do this we Yeah, to together. Well, um, and and do- I guess too, because nobody ever really thinks that anything that they're doing is any different or any mm. special, like even the word special, I don't like using the word special, but um, I think for, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman. Oh God, I hate the sound of that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a middle-aged <laughs> woman living in a foreign country by choice on my own I have family, I'm not homeless. Um, I have a daughter, she lives in another country. Like I've I've chosen to live abroad because for whatever reason, I still don't even really know what that reason is. And this is usually a time where people run back to their families and a lot of us Mm -hmm. haven't. And so that connection and community and one of the things that you spoke about you know this is about living online you know I've I've still you know you know I have 5,000 friends on Facebook and WhatsApp and you know we have lots of friends all around the world because of the type of jobs that we have and so maintaining that connection has been incredible during this time that's also something that we have always done because we've had people international you know really Tammy you know you and I are probably the most closest of friends, and yet we live on opposite sides of the world. But you may as well be my next-door neighbour for the amount that we know each other and are close. So yeah. I think for people that travel a lot, we te- we have always tended to have more of an online relationship with people. And right. so it's it's weird because now that more people are doing that, I've kind of done that less. And going into Corona, I, well, for whatever reason, you know, I I couldn't deal with any more drama because I had kind of just come out of, you know, a situation of my own. And I thought I can't, I, and selfishly, I just thought I, I want to live in my little island paradise. The people I speak to. Um, who I connect to my acts of kindness are the people at the resort there and I was running classes at the resort so I was connecting with our community that was here and I was I taught a class every day up until maybe a month or so ago some days there were one people one person some days there were 12 people and so it was important for us and the expats that are on the island and still now to connect with each other and I guess when you live in a place where there's 6 million tourists on the island, it's hard to figure out who actually lives here and who doesn't. Mm. So, you know, there are obviously so many terrible things about this pandemic, but there's also a lot of really incredible blessings. And one of the things for the people that are still here, it has really forced us to connect with each other rather than virtually, you know. So it's kind of like we've done this flip on how we would normally live our lives as opposed to how we're doing it now so um yeah it's been it's interesting we're kind of the reverse somehow and it's so
0: interesting how you you know everybody reacts differently in these situations and you had and I know and so if we if we do have a season 2 of of this podcast so mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens by the end of this uh, I'll have to bring Natasha back and it will just be the story because there's yeah. a there's a <laughs> lot to to get through there. Um so I do know, you know, it was a lot. Uh, it took you a lot to get through it. It was a lot of heavy, dark, um sad f- trying to find your way, right? And so you had just finally got to this space where there was light, you were breathing, you had this job, like things are moving forward and then this hits. Yeah. So I think it's just so interesting, right? You had to self-preserve and that self-preservation was retreating. And so on the outside, right, it could look like that's not good for you because you need to, but you found connection, right, in these Mm. other ways and you had to preserve like by shutting off that, you Mm. couldn't take on Mm -mm. more. And there was certainly, you know, we look at friends and colleagues and businesses all over the world and there is so much uh, Mm. to take on. Mm. And so I just love, that initial, you know, because these are the things that I think our our bodies or our minds automatically do for us that maybe we didn't intentionally set out, but it's the thing that really ends up serving and protecting us. And so, mm. you know, now that you're kind of on this side, it's like you're opening up, like we chatted beforehand, what's happening over there? You know, yeah. we laugh about like you haven't watched the news and, um,
1: well, but it's okay. It, like it's yeah. okay. And I, it's interesting because I, I went off social media all of last year because yeah. I- I for personal reasons I watched a couple of, you know, documentaries on Netflix and I just thought I I wanna live in my life. I don't wanna I don't and I think when you live internationally, it's like this highlight reel. Oh yeah, Bali life and Bali living and you know, my life is such a postcard. And it wasn't, you know, and I went through lots of struggles last year and but of course I'm not gonna share that online and so I completely disconnected from social media Privately, I had business pages that I was still um, using and needed to manage, and um, I, I was already kind of accustomed to not really falling down that rabbit hole of, you know, you look at one thing and then three hours later you're scrolling through. and And I think i one of the reasons I came off social media is because I'm sensitive and not I, you know, we know we're very emotional, but I'm sensitive. To things and people and so if I sit next to someone that is really sad I get really sad if Mm. I hear a story or I see pictures it stays with me and I'm overly empathetic and I'm overly sympathetic to the point that I go and do things and so at the start of all of this I was not in a place that I could be empathetic or sympathize I couldn't go through anyone else's disaster because I was still recovering from my own but I I'm so glad because I you know and it's interesting I was on Facebook for 30 seconds yesterday and I am doing different things on social media and I've you know whatever and my 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 superpower it was something that I was thinking of you know before if my if I had a superpower it's to connect people and so that's what I do on social media I create groups and I bring people together and but um I was on you know, Facebook for 30 seconds and someone posted a really beautiful picture of somewhere, California, can't even remember. And the comment below said, Amazing the pictures look beautiful, but did you feel safe? Mm. And I just thought, oh my God, that is so sad. Like that yeah. that the first thing that this person thought of was there's so much fear like i have my whole life has been try to live more courageously and try to move away from my own fear right and so this pandemic is so it's it's fear enabling and i again i i can't be a part of it i can't be a part of the hysteria and the numbers and the media and the news and i just can't and the thing is I don't have to be because I have chosen to live on a remote island that nobody can get in of and out of and I'm safe. The people around me are safe. I obviously talk to my family and I know that they're okay and and maybe that's really selfish but my 100% of my existence is this moment, is you, is you and I because I haven't looked on Facebook and I haven't read I don't know what's going on with Trump and I don't care. I'm I'm not an American citizen. I don't live in America. You do, and if it's a if it's affecting you, you and I will have a conversation, but I don't need to read about it. And yeah. so I'm more interested in connecting with real people and having real conversations about how they feel about what they read rather than me allowing I don't know the the secondhand information affect me. I just yeah, i'm I'm not interested it, in it.
0: it's so important, right? It's your self-preservation. And at some point, I think we do get to a stage in our life, especially as an empath, like you're saying, and you you take on and you are concerned. And I can attest because if there's been a cause that's <laughs> been near and dear to anyone's heart, like she takes it on and she'll raise money and she'll you were in South Africa like because you you know, Natasha is so that person. and It's one of the things that I love so much about you, right? You're so passionate in anything that you do. You really, um, you feel it viscerally, and we tend to feel things. So, so the fact that the two of us have been on this conversation this long and haven't cried in front of you all is is a miracle. So great, we're doing awesome. Yeah, we really are. (laughs) But, but it is, you know, we we I think it's part of the self care, and part of this whole thing is knowing that in order to care for myself, I need to pull Mm -hmm. back. Right? These need to be my boundaries, and this is what I. I can do and see, and this is what i can't mm. and and God, that's so healthy, right, but we're mm. not good at setting up the boundaries we're we're really not as yeah. as humans, so I just admire that it's really mm. not easy, and I'm sure that coming out of your you know trauma and and where what had brought you to to that moment in in mid-march when all of this happened, you know that is it was self-preservation at that point you were like, i can't go backwards mm. i can't go down that
1: spot again. And it can be uh, just as simple as in any activity is this is this is this adding joy to mm-hmm. me in this moment. And there were times where I literally was living for split seconds of joy. Like that that was my survival mechanism. I was so sad and so, you know, so dark and so empty that it was like I I couldn't see past, you know, the sadness. It was like I just hugging my dog gave me a second of joy so i'm going to do that and so i look at things now in you know levels of you know is reading some facebook post about something going on or some instagram feed about does this give me joy does this does this make me happy no so then i don't have mm. to do it um and it and for me it is as simple as that at this time especially cuz we are on our own and uh yeah, and I don't have my family around me. And so taking care of myself, I am a hundred percent my family. I have two dogs, so they're my family and we are our own existence. So um yeah, pockets of joy in the day, whatever that is. Yeah.
0: I love it. Pockets of joy. Or filling your pockets with joy. Yeah. Um, and so so I know, right? So so <laughs> So truth be told, right, I love to be very real and authentic in all of this, as you know, but Natasha and I did a first run of this podcast (laughs) and it was, I'm not
1: going to it was, a right. disaster.
0: it was really she and I having a conversation about this that we really needed to have it was well over an hour there was multiple times <laughs> couldn't get my words out it was mortifying um, so I'm so glad we're doing such a better job but Natasha brought up this um, incredible little little activity that she's been doing and so the thing is when she and I started this conversation the first podcast she didn't know she would be airing on Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving week that 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 was the name so she brings up this activity and it's so fit perfectly. So although it's not a beautiful segue lead-in, it's something that before our time is done, I really need yeah. you to tell people what you've what you've been doing or what you discovered. And yeah. I love it. So I,
1: I would love for people to put this in to their life if they can. Yeah, of course. I was thinking the other day, because I, I now knew I knew that we were going to talk about this. I am um, <laughs> so I'm not American, obviously. And so I always thought the ritual of Thanksgiving was kind of strange because I thought it's kind of like Valentine's Day. You know, you tell the person you love, you love them one day a year, and then the rest of the year, you're, you know, you're kind of not very loving. And so Thanksgiving to me was like, well, but shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, me, shouldn't you just be thankful all the time? And, uh, you know, we, you know, we have gratitude journals and all these things about, you know, morning intention and but I did hear um a sermon recently and the pastor was talking about his daughter that was not just creating a gratitude journal but he she was writing down three things that she was grateful for every day and that she would write them on little post-it notes and then she would put them in a jar and so different things And so that at the end of the year, she would have, you know, over a thousand different things that she would be grateful for. But the thing that I liked the most was that he also said, and on any given day where she was sad or she was grumpy about something and it was her that said it to him and she said, and Papa, and she said, and if there's any day where I don't feel grateful, I know I can go into my jar and remind myself. Mm. And so I went that is an awesome idea. Um, and cause like, so I always wanted to keep a gratitude journal. It was like, oh God, another journal that I'm going to write into. And so I started it straight away and I got, you know, different colored post-it notes. And one of the other things that he did say, because the sermon was about gratitude, which I loved was that there is vertical gratitude to God and horizontal gratitude to the people around you. Oh. And that yeah, right? And I so I have a whiteboard in my kitchen and I wrote that down, you know, vertical gratitude to whoever your god is, whatever it is, you know, however you call it. You know, thanks be to heaven, you know, who uh, and but then also we kind of forget to be thankful to the people around you rather than yes, god is or whoever it might be is creating the favor, but the people around you are, are the ones that are actioning it, you know? So I love that and and the thought of that then being across as well. So, yeah, so I have a jar of all my little colourful post-it notes and um, it's actually pretty hard to think of something different to be grateful for every day. So that's kind of the challenge, you know. You can't Mm -hmm. say I'm grateful for the sun shining, you know, 60 days in a year. So Although um, when you're in so, Bali, that is the first thing you think of when you wake up. Yeah, I up in do. The morning. I kinda <laughs> did that one first. I run it. I run it. Yes, the other day I said thank you for the it was raining. And so I said, you know, I'm grateful for a rainy Sunday. Um mm-hmm. the week before it was for a sunny Sunday. So you're in there. You're in there in big bold capital letters. You're Aww. in there grateful for Tammy. Hi. Hi um go. <laughs> Yeah.
0: It's, I, I do, I love this. I love this practice. I love that you're doing it. And it is, I think it just takes that idea of the journal. And when you see that jar sitting out there and you know what it stands for, and we do have those days, all Mm -hmm. of us, especially now where we could easily, you know, and, and if you need to lay in your bed for a day and not get out, I totally encourage that too, right? That's self-care. But sometimes to get out of that, we do need those reminders. So being able to stick your hand in and seeing that reminder, and it's not from a book, it's not from a movie, it's not from someone else, it's your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought that that was really such a special Mm. treat. So I do challenge all of you to find a way to to put that into, you know, even if it can't be every day, at least every week, somehow a, a manageable way to remind yourself because, um,
1: yeah, it's that, yeah.
0: that gratitude can be super powerful.
1: There was something then, that Catherine spoke about, which I really loved because I listened to her podcast today, about the actions then become habits yeah. and, you know, these rituals, and I love that. And so this is the thing, you know, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it once a week. It's much harder to develop a ritual once a week because then you go, what day did I do this again? So mm, I'm so terrible true. at that, whereas I'm really good at methodical. I am going to do this every day. I'm going to do this every day, and um, that was the thing with this. I just thought, you know, it's part of my, you know, journaling in the morning. Three things, write it down, and uh, it's kind of fun because I've had to upsize my jar already three times. So I got to look, <laughs> I got to look for a bigger jar now. So it's getting bigger and bigger. So something um, to really look forward to when I yeah. come visit you again. Yes, it's you can. That, yeah.
0: Um, so I just, we'll just have time for one last little bit. And it's my one thing that I love to ask everybody. And obviously you all know you're listening, like Natasha and I have been very close for a while. We're definitely besties. And, um, I do rely on her. Oh gosh, Aww. I'm trying really hard. I've done so good, but I just need to ask you. You know, in all of these times and the ups and the downs, like how, how are you right now doing as your own best friend? You are your own family, so yep. how are you doing with with all of that uh, day in and day out and, mm. and really showing up for yourself as your own best friend? What
1: is what is that like right now for you? Being more allowing. You know, I am the queen of, and it was interesting a Brené Brown book, and she talks about perfectionists and how you know we walk around like we're God's gift to you know creation, and everyone wants a perfectionist. And it was interesting because in her book, she talks about perfectionists kind of being you know the the problem child, and uh, it's a hard uh, cross to bear. And I have over the years kind of driven myself into exhaustion and and for no real reason other than just striving for this level of something that nobody else really cares about. So um during this time, you know, yes, I might have my 5 tasks is like if I get to 4, then that's cool. If I get to none, that's cool. If some days I don't want to do anything and I do absolutely love Netflix marathons and I do that. And um so just yeah, allowing myself to be less is my act of kindness. The same way I would for you, you know, trying to be as nice to myself as I would be my best friend. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it is, it's per—it's permission. And I think we do learn enough from our mistakes and from the, the hardships that we face that we do have to ease up on ourselves, right? Yeah. That that I, I think we've talked about this less is more we've we've definitely talked about that motto before but we are right and especially in fitness and we have to get a, get ahead and we have to be proving ourselves and putting putting things out there and it's just a lot it can be um, a lot so i just yeah. for me i'm going to say for me it makes me so happy to hear you say that because you know um, how i, I do normally <laughs> Yeah. And I know it is what I would tell you. I know yeah. I've hugged you tight and told you like it's okay and like it's not going to be perfect and it doesn't it doesn't matter but we have these yeah. ideas yeah. and images in our head so it does take us a while. We need to be beat over the head with the lesson many times before we can also uh often yeah. not also often, you know, adhere. So yeah. I love that
1: you're allowing and um it and That's definitely my word. It has been for a while now. Yeah, definitely. But
0: allowing yourself to be less doesn't mean that you are less, right? So I think that that's also Mm. just really important, right? So you can
1: allow yourself to be
0: less, whatever that less
1: is. Oh, and less manic, less frantic, less busy. Not less as in less of myself, but just absolutely don't always have to be, you know, running seven businesses and Yeah. So, and this cool year has been job. good for that a Facebook group and yeah, a, uh, a, like, a oh, ten-week we chin-up challenge and yeah, yeah. I do have a few things happening this October though. So yeah, next month well, I'll do less. <laughs> November. <laughs> this month is not a good example. Damn it, Tammy. <laughs>
0: Um, so definitely we'll, we'll look forward to, uh, episode two on the next podcast where Uh we can dive in deep and, um, and talk about rising from the ashes. That's a whole other lesson in self-care in itself, but, Mm -hmm. but gosh, it really is. We do this, I know we talk, but like, it's so nice to have these conversations with you um, because I, I do know where you've gone through and this just makes me feel like you're in such a good place. And even mm-hmm. though the world around us and the, there's things that will shake us that I feel like you're more grounded and, and that yeah. you're
1: in a being, place where you're. Being, yeah. Being stuck in Bali it was, is definitely a blessing. So whatever powers got me over here, because I really didn't want to come back here, whatever powers got me over here, I let's let's call him God, because I think it was him. Yeah, he was definitely on my side. So I've definitely been protected this year. So.
0: Well, I love that Very Mother grateful. Bob is embracing you with big arms, because yeah. that means that that's where I'll meet up with you again Yay!
1: next. Can't wait. You're all invited. Please come soon. We're so we, we need uh, we need some fresh faces. We're getting sick of looking at each other. Well God willing we will all be able yeah. to
0: hop on planes and travel the across the borders again soon. Um, I really, really thank you for this time and for our second go at it. Not we that did we so might so well and-
1: <laughs> We did so much better. <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, so thank you for all of the little tidbits that you've shared, and um, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode, and it has been my honor to share it with you. I'm hoping that you're in a space where you can close your eyes. And if that's not safe for you, then please don't. But close your eyes and take a really full, deep breath and then exhale and let it out. Let's just share a moment of silence to honor Natasha. Thank you. I'm hoping for those who knew her, this gives you more connection to her in a, in a way that we've sort of been searching for these last few weeks. And for those who have never met her, I'm hoping that you too feel the superpower of her connection. Natasha and I definitely were able to share not only so many memories and, and moments, but how important we were to each other. I really really was so grateful for her and always will be for many of us the next time we put our feet in the sand and see the ocean waves that's when she'll be right there with us who I'm so sorry (laughs) this is not what this podcast is about but obviously this is what happens in life I need to be a little kinder to my own self as I'm healing and I ask you all to do the same. So, my thanks to all of you for listening, to my incredible production staff who worked with me on this difficult episode. Michael Bachman, you're a rock star producer. David DeRoche, executive producer, Heather Popovics on social media, and thanks to Scott Holmes for the theme music. To learn more about our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at QUPodcasts, and feel free to send us an email at qupodcasts at qu.edu. Next week, we will have the soulful Corey Wyndham, who is a junior at Quinnipiac University, one of my favorite students, and I'm so excited to get to share his wisdom with you. He is such a wise young man. So please tune in next week for our conversation with Corey. And until then, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.